This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Many companies these days want their employees to be a bit more flexible and be able to adapt to the changing climate of a business, and that is the path in part that our next guest believes should be a key component for our business world and, yeah, I would guess, our society as well. Leonard Mladeno is a theoretical physicist and well-known writer who has a new book out called Elastic, Flexible Thinking in a Time of Change, and it's a pleasure to have Leonard joining us here on the show. Leonard, Welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. Thank you. Um, I guess let's start with with the basics here. For those that, that haven't really dug into this a lot, the elastic mind and elastic thinking means what? Well, I talk about two ways that humans think. One is rational and logical thought, where we follow rules we get from A to B using our logic and analytical thinking. And that's the kind of thinking that they test in the SAT and the most companies look for when they interview you. And that works fine when you're dealing with situations that are pretty standard. But there's another kind of thinking that we do, and and, and that's the elastic thinking, which you don't follow rules, you you make the rules, or you break the rules, you figure out what the rules should be. You you try to find ways, new ways to looking at things when the old ways don't work, or when you're confronted with a new situation, which happens to us all the time now. So Analytical thinking might be how you figure out how to best drive from home to work, but it, it's elastic thinking that gave us the invention of the car. And so are, are we people that are, that are suited for elastic thinking in general? Well, our species is, because even though we, we might think of ourselves uh, as being good physical specimens, uh, amongst primates, we're pretty much on the lower end of the physical uh, scale. You know, chimpanzee could just tear us apart. Uh, other others of our um, related species are much stronger than we are, and what we've really had to survive by is our is our wits and our inventiveness. And about 130,000 years ago, there was a great climactic catastrophe that dwindled our numbers down to some some say dozens, some say a few hundred. And what happened was those that were uh, those individuals back then that. Had a, uh, that, that liked to explore and had an appreciation for new things, were able to adapt and find new places to go, and that's what allowed our species to survive. And so after that, we had a genetic makeup that really encourages us to, to look for new things and to enjoy exploration and new challenges. So why now is it, in your mind, important to really consider these types of principles, these ideas in terms of, of flexible thinking? What, what is it about our culture now that, that really you have to bring this to the forefront? Well, we've always, so it's ever since that event 100,000 years ago, we've had that ability. But if you look at civilization over the last thousands or hundreds of years, it, in general, it was, for most people, it was a pretty routine, mundane existence. You might work in a factory. You might be hoeing fields all day. You didn't have a lot of contact with other peoples, other cultures. Mm-hmm. There was no media. And over the last century, this that started to change. But especially over the last 10, 20 years since the Internet was invented and social media rose, our, our the, the rate of change and the a number of new things that we have to face in our lives has been growing exponentially. So whereas that ability may have been nice for artists, elastic thinking, or for scientists, uh, for innovators uh, 100 years ago, now it's really important for everybody in your everyday life just to, just to thrive and to survive. 
I mean, just think about what happens if you change computers. You have to learn a whole new system. If you update your Excel, now the old one doesn't work. Uh, we get emails from people that are trying to sabotage us or break into our system, and right. we're always finding new tricks. Uh, if you want a vacation, you, on the average, people use 26 websites. <laughs> and, you know, you have to, like, even the pricing, and, and, and if you want to get the right price, it's constantly changing. You're in a kind of in a sword fight with the, with the provider. And every, everywhere we turn, things are different. They're new. We have to find new skills. We have to adapt. Look at our politics. I mean, it's totally crazy. Who would have thought a, few, a couple of years ago if you had painted the picture we have today, they would have said that's some crazy cartoonish Hollywood movie. <laughs> we, are jo- we are joined by Leonard Malodno, who is the author of the book Elastic, Flexible Thinking in a Time of Change. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. You know, one of the old themes that, that uh, you know, I heard, I've heard growing up, and I'm sure you heard uh, quite a bit, is that for the most part, people are kind of resistant to change. So I ask that in terms of the ideas in this book and and what you are are seeing in your research, are people now still resistant to change? Well, that's that's very interesting. That that's something that's talked about a lot in the business literature, and and I found this big uh, gap between what they were talking about and what the research psychologists were talking about. Because the research psychologists were talking about some of the events that I have just been that I've just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, how we, how the human species likes change and is attracted to change, and they in fact they call it neophilia, the love of the new. Whereas the business literature was talking about how can we overcome change aversion, people's change aversion. But when you when you look at it and you look at the kind of change they're talking about in business, it's it's what they're talking about is trying to get over people's resistance to negative change, and they take out the word negative, you know, or they call it restructuring, or they give it some euphemism. But what it means is asking people to do more work for the same money or yeah. to, to have, uh, to, you know, there's a change will make their job riskier. So that, that's why people are change resistant, because it, it, it's causing them effort or a financial harm. If I were to tell you, I, I want you to do 20% work for the same money, you'd resist the change. If I tell you, I, you're gonna, I'm going to keep paying you the same money, but I'm going to give you 20% less work, I don't think you'd resist that. <laughs> right. So, so it has to do with the valence of the change, and, and, and that's, you know, that's, they're, they're mixing up change with negative change. But as a species, we, we tend to like change. And if you do the same job all the time, you get bored. Squirrels don't get bored if they do the same thing all the time. They just keep doing it, but humans do. Uh, I, I saw you mention that, that one of the ways for people to think uh, elastically is to let their guard down and kind of relax their mind. So your idea, your your brain is constantly generating ideas. You have parts of your brain called association cortices that are taking ideas or taking concepts from one area and another, putting them together and coming up with new ideas. And this is like constantly bubbling away in your unconscious mind. And if you were to become consciously aware of all that, you would drown in ideas, right. as some people who are mentally ill do. And But a normal, healthy person has filters that are operating that don't let most of those ideas into your conscious mind. They, they censor them. And the problem is that sometimes 
those well, the ideas that are allowed into your conscious mind are the more conventional ones or the ones that are more promising or more ordinary. So sometimes these sensors keep the more creative original ideas out. So they don't, don't just keep you from drowning in ideas, but they can keep some of the good ideas out. And one of the ways to access your creativity is to find ways to relax and to relax those filters so that more starts to get through. Well, and, and then if you, again, take it back to the business side of things, I, I mean, people at the lower end of, of the corporate uh, totem pole may have these uh, unbelievable ideas that could be uh, positively affecting the company, and they may not have either the wherewithal or, or the uh, the want to bring them forward, and it ends up being a, it could be, I should say, not in all cases, but it could be a significant loss for a particular company. That's right. The more hierarchical a company is, uh, the more it's an innovation killer. Now, there's two ways of, of approaching a problem, and what one or approaching a, a task. One is the top-down way, and that's the way of most corporations. That's the way in the extreme of the military, where the yeah. general, the top, gives the orders, and they, and they get passed down, maybe um, adjusted a little bit along the way, and everyone is very obedient and, and follows authority. That, your brain works that way when you're doing analytical thinking. The neurons in your brain work in a top-down fashion. You have certain structures in your brain that order the other structures around and organize things. That's what's called the executive part of your brain. But the other way, which is where elastic thinking comes from, is bottom-up. So bottom-up means that all the little individuals somehow work together in a way where the sum is greater or the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. In mathematics, they call that you know emergent phenomena, that... Ants are a good example. Each individual ant has very simple programming, but ants as a colony can do amazing things. They, they build bridges. There's no yeah. ant designing the bridge or telling them what to do. So corporations need more of this bottom-up thinking. If they want to be innovative, they, and, and the best companies and the most innovative ones do, they have to give the freedom the people below and the respect to listen to them and ha- let them interact with each other and come up with ideas, not just have everything dictated from the CEO down. But it, it, it's almost like we see companies these days that you will see a few that will allow the opportunity for that bottom-up thinking to, to take hold and, and obviously be a benefit uh, on a variety of different fronts. But you still have way, probably way too many companies that still do uh, approach it analytically and, and from the top down, correct? That's right. And and. One that I write about, which is in the extreme, is Nathan Mirvold's company, Intellectual Ventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he just gathers a lot of people in different scientific and engineering areas, and they all have fun and come up with ideas and interact and create amazing things. One, one is a, uh, a laser system that can shoot mosquitoes out of the air, and very <laughs> cheaply, by the way. Because you can imagine that the military could probably do that, but they, they can do that at the price of, a, of a electricity, of a, essentially a light bulb. And they can use that, uh, have an automated system that they're designing for use in, in, in places where malaria is prevalent, where the lasers find I, the mosquitoes, identify them, and, and zap them out of the air. So you get crazy ideas like that when you really let people go. One of the other things you, you bring up is that we're at a time uh, that we should really do a better job of listening to opposing points of view, uh, whether that be in the office, whether that be in you know what we have going on politically in this country right now, and not necessarily just shut down any idea before at least the conversation take place, correct? That's right. Uh, the, the term that, that, that many people use for, for 
that is frozen thinking. If you, most people think that they're right. They think that they're always right, and if they are shown to be wrong, they more or less put that in the back of their mind and, and keep focusing on how they they know what they're, you know, confirming what they already believe. That that's that's very bad for elastic thinking. It's, it's very important when you're approaching a new situation or a, a, a novel challenge to be open to new ways of thinking about things and to let go of those assumptions. And, and in, in politics, that shows itself where, of course, we all have our beliefs and we feel very strongly to the extent that we think that people who don't share that are dumb or nuts or, or evil. But that's really not the case. There, there are reasons that people come to different conclusions, and that has to do with the unconscious calculations in your mind. It's called motivated reasoning, which is that people have different philosophies and different needs and desires, and they reason backward. They're, they automatically, in their unconscious, reason backwards from the conclusion that's desirable uh, to them. Their, their minds find, um, look at the evidence and sort it out in a way to, to lead them to the conclusion that unconsciously they really desire. But they believe sincerely in what they're talking about. So a very good exercise for you if you want to open up your elastic mind and, mm -hmm. and be able to see things in new ways and be more innovative is to question your own beliefs, to, to not only to, to look at what other people are saying in, very, um, in areas that are very important to you and try and understand how someone who's intelligent and not evil could come to that conclusion and why they might not accept the things that you do. And also to look back at times where you were wrong about something to set up to forget that, to dwell on that, to focus on that, and to realize that, that the way you think might not be the only way to think, and there could be other ways to see things, and then soon you might discover something. Leonard Malodno is the uh, author of the book Elastic, Flexible Thinking in a Time of Change. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Let me ask you, is this is thinking elastically, I mean, you obviously have said that it, it is kind of a natural occurrence in us. And it seems like there are, there are times where we just kind of shut it down and, and shut it off. So is it can it be a learned process to a degree? I mean, obviously, coming back from uh, from what a lot of companies are, are doing to try and to to cut it back to a degree. Well, you can learn and, and find ways to nurture your elastic thinking. You, I provide some questionnaires in the book where you can analyze the way you think and that's the first step in in changing the way you think is to understand how you think and then there are different different uh processes and and ways that you can strategize to to um, increase your ability for elastic thinking and it, you know like for instance if you look at i, I talk about some riddles uh, one riddle is um marcia and marjorie were born from the same mother, same father, on the same exactly the same time, but they're not twins. How is that possible? <laughs> well, that's hard for you to think about. It's a hard. It's, that's hard for most people to solve. And they, even if you give them several minutes, the answer is that they're not twins because they're triplets. Now, why do you have trouble seeing the answer? Because you have a picture in your mind, a hidden assumption. Yeah. When I say Marsha and Marjorie, you picture two girls or two women. And that blocks you from seeing the obvious possibility that it's triplets. And once you know that it's triplets, like any good invention, once you know it, it's obvious, right? So 
you know, but, but it's overcoming that barrier. And so in elastic thinking, you need to learn how to recognize the, the assumptions that you're making. They might be right, they might be wrong, but first you have to recognize them. And then often by questioning them, you can be far more innovative. So the, you know, the question is, how do companies encourage that, and how do you learn to do that in your own thinking? Do you have, uh, I'm guessing you've seen companies out there that are that are really kind of uh, taking this now and incorporating it as part of their corporate organization, uh, and they are starting to see positive uh, impact because of wanting to try and approach it this way. Yeah, I was just gave a talk at Google, and they're one of the, one of the leaders in providing an atmosphere that that encourages that. They're obviously a very creative company, but you know, one thing that that is important to realize, for instance, is that when someone is laying on the couch and staring into space, that could be working. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're taking a break. Yeah. it's very important when you're to, to interrupt your bouts or your times of analytical focused thought with times of unfocused thought, where you let your mind just go, because that's when the, the elastic part of your brain really operates more. It's called the default mode of, um, of brain operation. It's, it's when you're not focused on something and you don't have sensory stimulation. And, and that's often when, after you've, fo- after you've focused on a hard problem and thought about it and hit a barrier, it's, it's that default mode operation that you can get into that, that allows the unconscious mind to throw those crazy ideas out that, that can be your, the answer. So at Google, they have nap rooms where people just go and it's dark and you can take a nap or lay and look at, at, into space. They have a gym where you can go. It's good sometimes to take a little physical effort to keep you from focusing mentally on something and right. relax your mind. And then things pop into your mind while you're on the treadmill. So a company that says, Leonard, get off the couch and get back to your desk is, is bad. You know, a, a company that, that, that constrains you and, 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 is, and is too focused on traditional ways of operating can discourage that kind of thinking. What do you think, and Google is obviously a great example because of, of when you think about the business side, the, the unbelievable success in a variety of different areas that they have. And, and I guess that's kind of the underlying theming, theme from the business side is the potential that is there of thinking along this line and, and having your employees kind of adapt their, their, their day, their process at work to thinking along this line as well. That's right. And so, I mean, it's so important today, not just to innovate, but to survive. You know, the, the average lifespan of a standard um, S&P 500 company 50 years ago was about 60 years. Right. And today it's about 20 years. So it, it, you need, today you need to constantly be innovating in order to just compete and to compete in the global, in the, in the global environment. And so companies that are more hierarchical and and traditional are at a big disadvantage. Do you think that it is part of it, and we see it here uh, at, at the Wharton School, obviously a lot of uh, students coming through here who have phenomenal ideas, the wannabe entrepreneurs, and I think that there may be a linkage here as to why we see more people looking to be entrepreneurs younger in their careers because they have this kind of elastic type of thinking. Right, and the young people have really embraced that. Uh, our culture has been changing so fast that, that there are studies where they can tell your age within about five years just by looking at your social media habits. So the younger people who are growing up in, in this time of more change and more adaptability and, and technology are far more open to these novel ways of approaching problems and work than, than the older people, and they gravitate toward the startup companies, and, and they're the ones who are making all the innovation. 
844-942-7866 is the number. If you would like to join in with your comments or questions, 844-942-7866. How much do you think that this is a, a, a shift that will really, I mean, obviously it's taking hold with, with some companies, but will really take hold and really change how we think about business and, and moving forward. It's, it's Darwinian selection. It's going to change how we think about business because the old ones are going to die just as, as you know, the famous um, crashes have happened with uh, um, Encyclopedia Britannica, Blockbuster, all, all all, you know, Barnes and Noble suffering because they didn't get into online. I mean, all Toys, are, Toys are Us right now. Toy, Toys are Us, right. I mean, it, it just goes on. The list goes on and on. The companies that don't change the way of doing things are not going to be either efficient enough or even have a product that people want because we're in a time of complete disruptive change, which is why this new thinking is demanded. It's not, it's not just good. It has to, you have to have some analytical thinking to guide, to guide your elastic thinking, but you really need to be able to uh, face the change and, and go with it, not resist it. So will this be a millennial-driven continued push in the years to come? It has been, and, and the generation after them. And they're all, each, you know, the change in our society today, when you look at whatever indicators you look at, the numbers of um, inventions, the number of scientific papers, I mean, it's all increasing exponentially, which means it doubles at a fixed rate. And at that, at the, the number of the amount of new knowledge and new innovation that's happening is already so high that to double it is just a freaky change already. And and so it, it's gotten to the point where this doubling at a constant rate is really taxing um, our ability to adapt, even though we are built to adapt. And the ones who can do it best are the ones yeah. who are going to take over. Leonard, great to have you on the show with us, uh, and all the best to the book. Thank you. Thank you. It's been fun. Thank you. Uh, the book is Elastic, Flexible Thinking in a Time of Change. Leonard Mladeno is the author of the book, and many thanks to him for joining us on the show. It is available in bookstores and online. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.